Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It is Sunday and a very fine Sunday morning or evening, wherever you're watching, of course, or listening to this around the world. What a fine Sunday it is after Arsenal won 2-1 against Wolves yesterday at the Emirates to move for a short time, potentially only four points clear at the top of the Premier League. Really good performance, I thought, largely yesterday, even though in the end, the scoreline perhaps, well, not perhaps, didn't reflect Arsenal's dominance and their good performance. But ultimately, they got the three points and that was the crucial thing. So plenty to discuss about that today. We'll look at the game, some of the big talking points from it, who performed, who maybe didn't. Lots of you getting in touch about Zinchenko and about my player ratings. Uh, my mark for Zinchenko, which we'll go through um, a little bit later on in this show. If you haven't seen it yet, I did do my player ratings uh, video from the press box last night at the game. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, then go and have a look at it. I'm just trying to get some of them up so I can talk about them. Safe to say, not all of you uh, agreed with it, especially when it came to my mark for Alexander Zinchenko. So we'll talk about that. Mikel Arteta has been speaking about Zinchenko in his post-match press conference. Uh, Martin Odegaard as well. I really want to talk about Odegaard. What a fantastic performance that was from him. Gabriel Jesus as well. And plenty of you have been getting in touch, giving your thoughts on the game as well. So let's get started, shall we? Arsenal 2-1 victors. At the Emirates, thanks to goals from Bakaya Saka and Martin Odegaard. Early goals as well, both of them coming in the first, I think, 15 minutes, certainly in the first 20 minutes. I can't remember the exact minute that um, Odegaard scored. But the early goals that Arsenal craved in a Premier League game has been really a big struggle so far this season to get those. We saw lots of them last season. That hasn't been the case this season. Mikel Arteta has been speaking about it and how that affects the game state and affects potentially how Arsenal perform and how the opposition perform. But yesterday, they got that early breakthrough. They sort of ripped up Wolves' game plan early on. And look, they really should have gone on and won this game far more comfortably than they did. They were 
excellent at times. They created so many chances. This wasn't one of those games that we've seen this season when Arsenal struggled to break teams down and the team has come in and sat deep and frustrated Arsenal when they've had to just work the ball sideways and sideways and not really pulled teams apart. Yesterday, they pulled Wolves apart so many times. Scored through Saka, scored through Odegaard, then Martinelli hit the post. Jesus went through one-on-one and his finish was weak and probably should have rolled it to Declan Rice. Leandro Trossard went through Keeper saved it. That was all in the first half. The second half, Trossard again went through. Keeper saved it. And Ketia went through, clean through, hit the post. Saka bent one over. You know, Arsenal had chances to win this game 4-5-6-0. And Wolves wouldn't have had any complaints or be able to have any complaints. But it's just on one of those, it was one of those games when Arsenal weren't clinical. You go to midweek, you go to the Champions League game against Lons. Arsenal was so, so clinical. Almost every chance they got in that first half, they put into the back of the net. This was the exact opposite. Scored the first two but then just couldn't get that third goal. And of course, there's that saying, isn't there, that 2-0 is the most dangerous scoreline. It, it it never felt like that in this game, in the second half. It never You never sort of got that impression that suddenly Wolves were going to come back into and set up that nervy ending. Um, Arsenal just kept them at arm's length. They just couldn't get near the Arsenal goal. Times I think David Raya had a couple of saves to make, one in the first half, which was kind of from that mix-up with Zinchenko and Saliba. One was early on in the second half, which was straight at him. But other than that, Wolves just barely got close to the goal. The centre-backs were imperious as always. Declan Rice was just ridiculous as always. I said it in yesterday's video and I put a tweet out during the game as well. I was just sitting there watching him time after time yesterday. He just reaches out when you think it must be so frustrating to play against if you're a player, an opposition player. You think you've got the ball, you think you're away. And then all of a sudden, from nowhere, this toe just pokes out. I've never seen someone be able to just get their foot onto a ball and poke it away more than Declan Rice. He's just got an unbelievable knack of being able to do it. And it must be so frustrating to play against because you think you're away, you think you're clear, then out of nowhere, this toe comes out, pokes the ball away and the ball's gone. And suddenly Arsenal are on the attack again, out of possession. And in terms of winning possession back, there is just, there can't be anyone better in the Premier League. Maybe Rodri. I haven't looked at the, I haven't looked at sort of compared the defensive numbers between the two, but He's just ridiculous. And all I could think of during that game yesterday when I was watching him was, can you imagine if he'd gone to Manchester City in that parallel world where Arsenal didn't win the race for Declan Rice and Manchester City won it and that he chose to go there rather than, rather than Arsenal? We may have well have all packed up and gone home because no one would have been touching Manchester City this season. It's such a scary, scary prospect. I'm so relieved that he uh, that he chose Arsenal. And he was excellent yesterday as well as, well as Odegaard, uh, as well as Gabriel Jesus as well. Saka, I thought, was really, really good. And it was a dominant performance. You look at the stats. 19 shots to six for Arsenal. Six on target, three for Wolves. Uh, 57% possession. You know, miles more passes, four corners. Wolves didn't have a single corner. You know, Arsenal just kept them at arm's length throughout the game and just ultimately paid the penalty for one really slack bit of play from Alexander Sinchenko, who we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. But even, But more than that, yes, it was a mistake. But more than that, it was their slack finishing that really cost Arsenal because had they taken their chances like they should have done, then there wouldn't have been any sort of jeopardy. There wouldn't It wouldn't have only been a two-goal game. It would have been, you know, they would have been out of sight. And that was what ultimately, I think, what sort of cost Arsenal was more than the Zinchenko mistake, as poor as it was, just a failure to convert their chances. And it was just one of those days that always leaves you a little bit open at the other end to something like we saw with the error, the individual error, happening and suddenly a team in the Premier League are back in the game and then it sets up a little bit of a nervy finish. I did think Arsenal saw out that last little passage of play after conceding the goal very, very well. 
Gary O'Neill was not happy about it. He was complaining to the referee. He was out on the pitch afterwards talking about Arsenal's time wasting and how long they took to restart the game during that sort of period of, um, I think it ended up being about 10 minutes, four minutes of normal time and six minutes of stoppage time. But Arsenal just, they managed that situation really, really well. And you know, there was no, there was no grandstand finish. There was no Arsenal camped in their own box with Wolves piling the balls into the area and it getting all nervy. I thought, you know, Arsenal should have gone on and stretched their lead th- further when um, Eddie went through and he, he didn't uh, didn't finish it at the post. But yeah, Mikel Arteta, very, very happy after the game, despite uh, the score only being 2-1. He says, I can only praise the players for the way they played, competed. They were excellent. We played against a really good side and we generated so much and conceded almost nothing. The scoreline should have been very different. We were really unlucky in certain moments. We hit the post twice or three times, I think. And at the end, we made an error close to the goal. And in the Premier League, you get punished big time and then it's game on. But I'm really happy with how we performed again. He was then asked about the sort of improvements that we're seeing from Arsenal. And I think we definitely are. I think Arsenal are beginning to click now. I think we're seeing signs of that at times. Um, we certainly saw it yesterday. I thought there was lots and lots to like about that performance. And Mikel says improvements and the consistency when you play every three days, it's very, very tough to do what we've done in the, in the week. And we have to maintain that. There are certainties that we have to constantly do in games. And the outcome is going to be really positive for us. And the team has to rely on that. And the rest is coming. And he is he's right. I think when he says the rest is coming, I think it is. I think Arsenal is certainly beginning to click. We've seen that in midweek in the Champions League. I thought we saw it again last night. You know, Wolves are a decent team. They are hard to play against. They were missing a couple of crucial players in midfield through suspension. You know, Lamina wasn't there, but... We've seen what they've done against the big teams this season. You know, they've beaten Manchester City. They, uh, I think they drew at home to Newcastle. They beat Spurs. You know, They should have won at Old Trafford at Man United. But having said that, Man United have just rank awful this season. And I'll talk about them a little bit later on because they were so bad yesterday. Um, but, you know, Wolves do cause big teams problems. We've seen that. They're a frustrating team to play against at times. But you know, Arsenal made them look really, really ordinary yesterday. It was a really positive performance, I thought. And I came away from the Emirates yesterday feeling pretty good despite that late, late goal that just took a little bit of a shine off the team. I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about Martin Odegaard because I thought he was absolutely exceptional yesterday. And Odegaard, I think it's safe to say, has had a bit of a slow start to the season, certainly by the standards that he set, that he set at times last season. You know, potentially hasn't scored as many goals as he scored last season. Um, but it's more than that. Because I don't think the goals are necessarily what you judge Martin Odegaard. I think the amount of goals that he scored last season was a bit of a bonus. I don't think any of us were expecting that. It was more the sort of creativity that we'd come to expect from him. Maybe that had dried up a little bit. But he was at his very, very best yesterday. He was playing. A, he's been playing a bit deeper. There's definitely, a, and I, I'm guessing that is a result of Thomas Party not being in the team at the moment. That Martin has to play deeper. He has to come back and get the ball deeper and deep off the centre backs and that sort of thing. Because Party, who usually is the player who does that sort of thing, isn't there anymore. And Declan Rice, for all of his brilliant qualities, doesn't have that quality that Thomas Partey has. I think we all know that. I think that leads to Martin playing a little bit deeper. But yesterday, Wolves just could not handle him. His finish was great. I mean, he makes a, he's making a thing of that sort of finish, isn't he? Just dropping back on the edge of the area. He made that look really, really easy. And it wasn't an easy finish. It was a brilliant goal. Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus, fantastic uh, link-up play between the pair of them. And a, a brilliant finish by Jesus. And, and um. Mikel was very, very happy after the game. He said, I, th- I think he's had two very, very good games. He's a really good, consistent player. He gives a lot, especially against teams like that. They didn't want to defend very close to their own box. And I think he was really good today. And he was. He was fantastic. And um, quite a few of him have been getting in touch talking about Odegaard. Here's one from Wildchild3862. says, the observant eye will notice that Odegaard isn't leading the press recently. Instead, Mikel has pulled him deeper on the pitch 
And in my opinion, this is fixed our midfield. Today was the first game this season where Martin has had the most touches and passes on the pitch. Simultaneously, his creative stats skyrocketed with a goal, six key passes, three through balls, and at least two were absolute sitters. Vintage Odegaard x-ray balls to put Trossard and Ketia clear through on goal. He should have had three assists today. I would prefer Odegaard in this new midfield row where he gets on the ball rather than seeing him hovering outside the box where he gets overcrowded and kicked. And it's an interesting one. I think that what we've seen from Odegaard this season, because of his sudden goal threat that he got last season and his ability to finish, which just seemed to change completely, certainly as the season progressed last season, maybe that did see him get a little bit too high up the pitch at times. And that took him out of the game. It took him out of the game because he was too high up in the final third rather than being a little bit deeper where he could get on the ball. But he certainly, as Wildchild says here, he was on the ball all the time yesterday. Um, like he says, you know, all those touches, the key passes, the pass for Trossard that sent Trossard through for the one-on-one was absolutely out of this world. Fantastic ball. Um, and Trossard really should have been better, done better and exactly the same for Nketiah. I think he ended with an XG of, an assist XG of 1.86 yesterday, Odegaard. And he can count himself very, very unlucky that he didn't get at least one uh, added to his name because he absolutely deserved that as well as the goal that he scored it. You know, he's coming for a bit of criticism this season, which I think is unfair. He's just, you know, he sets such high standards. And I think everyone, I suppose, quite rightly wants you to sort of maintain those standards once you've set them. But he's such a crucial player to Arsenal. You can never doubt Martin Odegaard's quality. The work he does for the team as well, the off-the-ball work he does for the team, which so many people don't notice. Um, it's just an exceptional player. When you see him play like that and you watch him play like that yesterday, you know, it's just an absolute joy to watch. So, uh, yeah, really, really great afternoon for the skipper. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, one of the downside yesterday, of course, was Tommy Asu going off injured we don't know the extent of that injury yet he was holding the sort of the calf when he went down he immediately if you're watching this on youtube you can see the picture he immediately signaled for attention he did walk off around the pitch which was you know is that a good sign or not sometimes you say it's a good sign but they still get you know they still i mean during timber for example walked off the pitch didn't he and that wasn't a good sign um uh, didn't end up being a good sign. So Tommy Asu, on the reason for coming off, Mikel said, I don't know. He felt something. I don't know if it was fatigue. We decided to change straight away. We didn't want to take any risk. Let's assess how he is. It was another really good performance up to the injury for Tommy Asu. He was in for Ben White at right back. Attacking wise, he just seems to be coming on. He got another assist yesterday for Saka's goal, adding to the two he got in midweek. Mikel talking about how he's progressing in an attacking sense. He said, yeah, the first thing he offers defensively is tremendously reliable and attacking. He has certain things he can develop and improve his timings, positioning, certain deliveries and actions that he can open some spaces for others. He's so willing to learn and do that. Again, he's another player. He's given another level and still has another level to him. He does. And he's improving. I spoke about Tommy in midweek and his 
determination to learn and improve and you know take on new things as a footballer um is just one of his biggest strengths and we I think we're seeing that certainly whether it's a left back or right back you know his determination to become a threat in an attacking sense and to provide more in an attacking sense I think it's very very obvious for all to see fingers crossed the injury isn't too bad because I think you know you want Tommy Asu next week at Villa Park 100% you know Luton well, you know, you can play Tommy, you can play Zinchenko and you can play Ben White because Arsenal are certainly going to dominate most of the ball at Luton. I'm sure there'll be spells when they're under pressure, but, you know, you're quite happy to go with those fullbacks. But when you're away at Aston Villa, going up against the likes of Moussa Diaby, the attacking threat that Villa have and the amount of goals they score, especially at home, especially at Villa Park, that is a Tommy Asu game. It's got Tommy Asu written all over it rather than Zinchenko. Um, and, yeah, fingers crossed he can be fit for that. If not, then it's going to be a big, big blow. And I think Aston Villa will certainly look to benefit from Tommy Asu's Tommy uh, absence next week. OK, I'll go through my player ratings now very, very quickly. If you didn't see the main video I did yesterday from the press box, you can have a look. Uh, but I'll rattle through them really quickly. And uh, we'll have to talk about Zinchenko because it's, once again, one of my ratings has certainly led to a fair bit of um, controversy. is not the right word. Uh, criticism is probably the right word so David Raya gave a seven Tommy I gave an eight Saliba and Gabriel I gave a seven I gave Zinchenko a seven um and okay let me continue so in midfield I gave Rice eight Trossard seven Odegaard was my man of the match I gave an eight uh Saka eight Jesus eight and Martinelli seven but it was a, certainly looking at the reaction to those uh player ratings it was the Zinchenko one that has generated the most debate shall we say in terms of how he was. I'll go through some of the other comments first, just on terms of Arsenal's performance. Richard here says, once again, Declan Effin Rice, Odegaard outstanding, and Jesus doing what Jesus does, amazing, what a player. Uh, Prakash, I think that is, says, team was really sharp in attacking, which is great to see. Finishing was sloppy and unlucky. Zinni is getting heavy criticism, but I think that's a little harsh. We should have killed the game sooner. And a hollow VV point says, this game highlights... For me, while we need a ruthless striker up front, it was a great performance. However, we should have been four or five goals up and not risking three points due to an inability to finish chances. This bugged me last season, as well as in the West Ham game. Hopefully, we will go for a forward in January. I'm not sure we will. Um, I think we certainly will go for a forward in the next couple of windows, but I've got a feeling it might not be the January window. So there's some of your comments in terms of the game. But Zinchenko was a big talking point and has been a big talking point ever since, not just in my comment section, but you know, why in the wider picture, social media, Mikel Arteta was asked about him in his press conference afterwards. He said, you have to love him, how he is, every player as well. He has strengths and weaknesses and Alex has got more strengths. This happened. It can happen to any player. We have to learn from it because in those areas, it's a big no to play, especially after certain, especially after certain things on the previous phase. And that's it. We will get better. Now, lots of you have been getting in touch, just a couple of them here. But honestly, you can scroll through the comments to my player ratings video yesterday. You see most of them are dominated by Zinchenko. Uh, Creedy2077 says, have to disagree about Zinchenko. He didn't make one mistake. He made several. As always, we were only punished for one. Zinchenko has been consistently making numerous mistakes every game, every uh, either big or small since he signed for the club, both in attacking and defence. They off, they often go under the radar as he normally plays well aside from them or other players make up for them on his behalf. If Tommy can stay fit and when Timber comes back in, Zinchenko will have a real hard time staying in the squad. Um, I'm not sure it's about staying in the squad, but maybe in the team. Afro Vibe says Zinchenko had a defensively awful game. On a number of occasions, he lost possession in defending positions. The overall performance was Arsenal flexing and continuing to show their attacking qualities from Wednesday. This is the type of game many Arsenal fans have been looking for. Dominant with lots of chances and delightful football. Odegaard and Saka back to their best. Martinelli giving their fans an exhibition of everything we love about him. So on Zinchenko, I just look, 
I, I stand by <laughs> the fact that I thought he played well. He did make, obviously, the error that led to the goal. There was a mix-up in the first half with him and Saliba, which almost led to a chance. David Raya came out and smothered it and got it clear. There was another one that a lot of you are talking about. I didn't see it. I mean, look, when I'm in the press box, it's hard because I'm writing. I'm typing away. You kind of miss things a lot. And that you sort of hear the crowd roar and something happen. You look up and instance gone. I'm not sure what the one was that you're talking about with Martinelli rescue, seemed to rescue Zinchenko, but many of you have pointed out. So I take it there was an error there from Zinchenko. But on the whole, I just thought he played. He was so crucial to Arsenal going forward, especially in the first half. He had so many touches of the ball. He barely gave the ball away. I think he had a pass completion rate of about 95%. He was always on it. He got the assist. Brilliant play. I just thought he had a decent game bar in the defensive mistakes and we know and that is look it, you can't obviously wipe that under the table because it's a really crucial thing and he Arsenal ended up conceding the goal because of it and it was really slack for Zinchenko we've seen him do that numerous times and it isn't it's clearly an issue you know defensively is not his strongest point and I absolutely agree I think at the moment Tommy Asu is really really pushing him to be first choice starter when everyone's fit and fully fit at the moment Ben White's being managed a little bit which is why we're not seeing him start every single game so you're kind of having to rotate the fullbacks because of that. But I think if everyone's fully fit, then Zinchenko does potentially struggle to get in the team, especially if Urien Timber is there, who can play in that left-back role so, so well. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying Zinchenko's undroppable by any means. Like I said, I wouldn't play him next weekend against Aston Villa. Or I'd pick and choose the games I play for Zinchenko. But a game like yesterday, I think Zinchenko is really, really crucial to how Arsenal play. And I think he was really, really crucial to Arsenal, how Arsenal play, despite those errors. So that's why I gave him seven. But... Feel free to disagree. I know plenty of you have. I've been reading the comments for the last 24 hours. Um, but I did think he was, uh, I did think he had a, a, a fairly decent game going forward. And that's why I gave him a seven. Okay, to round this off, just look, look at the Premier League table there. Arsenal, four points clear at the moment. By the time you're watching this or listening to this, that league table will probably have changed. There's obviously lots of games to come today, including the big one, Manchester City versus Spurs at the Etihad, 4.30pm kickoff. UK time, you would expect Manchester City are going to win that and win that fairly comfortably. I'm intrigued to see what Tottenham do and how they set up and whether they play this and Postacoglu high line that has uh, been a hallmark of their play, even when they were down to nine men against Chelsea. You know, if they do that against Manchester City, I just cannot imagine Manchester City are not going to score an absolute bucket full of goals. And Postacoglu said in the build-up to the game that he's not going to change and they are going to play the same way and they're going to look to attack City. Fair play if that is the case, but I do think if they do do the case, if they do do that, then City should absolutely put them to sword. And just imagine Doku um, on one side going down into that just wide open space that there is going to be left behind the defence with that high line, the Haaland going into the centre. I mean, it's just recipe disaster. Not that I really care, but um, it would be good for that game to end in a draw for an Arsenal point of view. I don't think it will. Obviously, Liverpool to play today as well. I think they've got Fulham. So you think Liverpool are certainly going to close the gap, you'd imagine, to 31. So for, for the time being, Arsenal are four points clear. Highly doubtful that's going to remain the case at the end of the weekend. But still, the league table looks very, very nice. Arsenal got the job done yesterday. Can sit back now, put their feet up, watch what everyone else does today with great pleasure, just like they did last night with the Newcastle Manchester United game, Newcastle moving up to fifth with that win against Manchester United, going above United in the process. Man United were unbelievably awful in that game. They were pitiful. It was so bad. It was, Newcastle were great. Don't get me wrong. I thought the intensity they played with was fantastic. They were far better than Man United. They should have beaten them five or six nil. But that was genuinely a rank, rank performance from a Manchester United team that I just don't know what they are. I really don't know what they are at the moment or where they're going, what Ten Hag's trying to do. 
they just look a shambles. It's amazing in the Premier League. It really is. You know, the, the, what, the performances I've seen from them this season, Manchester United, United just look like a bottom half team. Absolutely look like a bottom half team. But yeah, that was a poor performance, but a really good win for Newcastle, given the week they've had as well and the players they had out. I thought they were very, very impressive. But look at that. What a nice way to end the video. Just look at that league table. Soak it up. Enjoy it, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And hopefully you can enjoy the watch, watch the rest of the football this afternoon. Very, very worry-free, uh, safe in the knowledge that Arsenal have got the points that they needed heading into next week. Obviously, Arsenal are in action on Tuesday night against Luton. So, yeah, tomorrow's video, we'll start looking ahead to that. Please do get your questions and comments in. Who you think who should start the game against Luton? The need to rotate, especially with that game against Villa coming up. Let me know anything you want to talk about in the comments below. Until then, everyone, have a very good end to your weekend and I'll speak to you soon. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.